Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, episode 266. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Welcome back to this week's episode. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to be discussing how to keep more of your hard-earned money by saving it through taxes. Now, as real estate investors, we have lots of tax strategies at our disposal. From using things like depreciation to offset income from our real estate to deferring taxes with things like the 1031 Tax Deferred Exchange and the lesser known Deferred Sales Trust or DST, which is what we're going to be discussing this week with our guest, Brett Swartz. Brett is the CEO of Capital Gains Tax Solutions and each year equips hundreds of business professionals and real estate investors with the Deferred Sales Trust tool to help them solve capital gains tax deferral limitations. Brett is considered one of the most well-rounded capital gains tax deferral experts. His audiences and clients are challenged to lean into multiple capital gains tax deferral strategies, create and develop a passive cash flow wealth plan of their own, and execute on this plan so they can create and preserve more wealth I'm excited today to talk with Brett about these unique tax deferral strategies. So let's jump right into this week's episode. All right, today I welcome on the show, Mr. Brett Swartz. Brett, hey, thanks so much for joining us. Jacob, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Now, Brett, before we jump into the conversation today around tax deferral, kind of let's back up. Tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, your journey, and why you are qualified to talk about taxes. Sure, yeah. I started, for your real estate listeners, I started my real estate introduction as a child of working with my dad in the Bay Area, Fremont, San Jose area, building custom homes and owning kind of rentals with him. I didn't own them. I was just, you know, working on all of those. Sure. And then fast forward, I went to college and I studied business and took an internship at Marcus and Millichap, which is an investment, a commercial real estate investment brokerage firm. And it became an agent, a real estate agent selling apartment complexes in Northern California. And along that journey, I learned you know, different tax deferral strategies and different ways to help people create and preserve more wealth through investment, real estate. Personally, I live in Sacramento, Northern California, and I have two companies, uh, Capital Gains Tax Solutions and then Commercial Realty Apartment Advisors. My wife and I, we have five kids. I played basketball in college. I love hoops. Uh, I want to coach someday. And yeah, that's we stay busy with all of our kids and our family here. That's a great intro. You did a great job there. <laughs> I feel like I know all about you now. So that's great. Well, tell us a little bit about taxes and how they pertain to real estate investors and why we're, on, why we're talking about that today, Brett. So before we get to all that, kind of let's ask a real direct question up front. Can you kind of start by telling the difference between capital gains tax and income tax, really? Yeah. So, you know, the government gets, they have different taxes for different things. And 
for you know, general income taxes, is kind of what you earn. And then you also have different taxes for investment real estate, such as capital gains tax, if and when you have a gain on the sale of your property. So let's just say you bought a property for 250000 and you're selling it for a million. It's a $750,000 gain. Of that, the government will charge state, and then there's a federal, and then there's typically Obamacare and a depreciation recapture, somewhere between 30 and 50% of your gain, depending on what state you live in and how much depreciation you received. And they do that because they need the money, right? And they, but they also <laughs> give you lower tax rates than maybe typically you would pay for income to incentivize you to go into real estate, right? And to spur the economy, to spur economic growth and jobs and such. So, but they do give legal loopholes to help out. But what's going on currently in the economies we're seeing, or really the nation, is they have $23 trillion in debt. And so they're looking for ways to increase taxes or increase capital gains taxes or, or do away with the 1031 exchange altogether. So now more than ever, it's imperative to have a plan and to know what the legal loopholes are so that you're not overpaying or, you know, in a lot of cases, just, as they throwing money out the window by paying the tax when you could be earning interest on it and deferring it all so you can create and preserve more wealth. Yeah. And tax is a big reason many people invest in real estate, right, Britt? There's a huge advantage in different ways to realize tax savings. Now, you've got a pretty unique way. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So our focus in this is on the deferred sales trust. And kind of the overview is most commercial real estate owners, business owners, and high-end, highly appreciated luxury homeowners struggle with capital gains tax, somewhere between 30 and 50% of their gain when they go to sell. Well, we use a deferred sales trust, which is the tool, the strategy, to give them tax deferral, liquidity, diversification, and then eliminating the need for the 1031 exchange with a new depreciation schedule so they can create and preserve more wealth. I know that's a mouthful there to really digest, yeah. but essentially, you sell a highly appreciated asset, you have a couple options. If you own commercial real estate, you can do a 1031 exchange, okay? If you own a business, you really there's no 1031 exchange. If you own a high-end primary home, there's no 1031 exchange. But a deferred sales trust can do it for all three of those. And then in particular, it has some unique advantages compared to the 1031 exchange that could really help your listeners solve the challenges they're facing. So that's kind of the big overview. And we can dive into the nuances here on the differences too. Yeah, sure. How about we do this? Would it be applicable to take a scenario here and walk through how a deferred sales trust, DST, would be applicable to this scenario? Absolutely. We just talked about a deal just closed. This one closed about a month ago. It was for an apartment complex owner. He owned 18 units in Northern California. Perfect. Okay. Fact, he, yeah. He owned it in Sacramento. His name's Peter. He was driving from Marin, California, which is just north of San Francisco. And as you may or may not know, but it's a, when you drive a couple hours anywhere in the Bay Area, California, in Sacramento, you're going to hit a lot of traffic. So he's fighting traffic back and forth. He's close to 70 years old and he's owned real estate all of his life. He's done 1031 exchanges all of his life. He's in fact a real estate broker himself. And so he's known about 1031 exchanges. And we started talking and he said, I've never heard of this, Brett. Well, you know, why would I do this versus a 1031? So we went and sat down, we walked through the scenarios. And he ended up doing 100% of the deferred sales trust when he was considering a 1031 exchange. He was considering a Delaware statutory trust, which is kind of another reform of 1031. But I asked him afterwards, I said, why did you choose it, Peter? Why did you choose a 1031? He goes, well, Brett, I had 18 problems. I had 18 units and I didn't want to trade for 36 problems, right? I was tired of the toilets, the trash, the liability, right? I had debt on the property. I also didn't want to overpay. All the prices right now are so highly yeah. appreciated. I didn't want to sell my property for a great value. He's selling for about 1.8 million. 
and I didn't want to move it into, you know, a two or $3 million deal and take on all this more debt and overpay. He goes, I did that in 05, 06, and I barely held on through the 08, 010 market. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so I'm ready to be done. And he goes, I'm so happy I did it. I have so much more time and energy with my wife to travel, you know, and to do other things rather than driving to traffic, banging on doors, you know, evicting tenants, doing all that. I go, well, why don't you just give up property management? He goes, yeah, I could have done that. But honestly, I just, I didn't want to have to think about the properties anymore. So for that particular owner, it solved the get out of property management. It solved the get out of debt. We like to say we're the debt-free plan for your commercial real estate or business or primary home. It solved obviously his capital gains tax deferral. We saved him about $500,000 in capital gains tax. And then, and then he invested it into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, which are not his favorite choice, but he put it in a conservative allocation. And his goal, which is the best part of this, you can go back into real estate whenever you want all tax deferred. So you know when I mentioned you could do it, we eliminate the need for the 1031 exchange in the yeah, beginning? Yeah, right. Well, that's because we can go back into real estate whenever we want, all tax deferred. And so he's just waiting kind of on the sidelines is the way he puts it. And I'm just going to wait until if I find a deal. And it might take a year or two. It might take three or four years for the market to cool down. But if and when it does, and if and when I want to actually go back in, I will purchase real estate hopefully at a discount rather than overpaying today, being in more debt, and then just seeing perhaps his equity dwindle away in the next recession. Yeah, I think that's really unique here because in Peter's scenario, he's got this property. He could sell for a very high value, right? It's a hot, hot market in Northern California, but then he's got to go buy in the same hot market, right? So then he's going to go buy at a very high value. So this allows him to sell, sit on the sidelines, as he says, and then reevaluate maybe six months, a year, two years down the line and put that capital back to work with deferring the capital gain. So Precisely. Exactly. Yeah, we call that optimal timing, Jacob, right? Awesome. Buy like when it. it's optimal for you, not when you have to, right? Yeah. Not because you're forced to. The other thing is with the 1031, it's equal or greater value. So remember that that means you're typically taking on equal or greater debt. And we think debt right now is very risky if you're overpaying and there's not a value-add forced appreciation opportunity. We think it's a great time to get out of debt, right? To get your powder dry and wait for an opportunity to come on. And so we explain that with a scenario that is called uh, smart debt, risky debt, and dumb debt. We think smart debt goes into deals that you can find value-add and you can buy at a good price per square foot and the intrinsic value of the property. It's you know, more of a buyer's market per se, right? Right. And Risky debt adds, you know, stays in that deal or just adds the value, the appreciation goes up and they're just holding on. They're not necessarily doing one or the other kind of neutral on taking on more debt. Dumb debt, it would be like Peter if he were to exchange and overpay for a property, which is just because he had to defer the tax, doesn't really have a good value add appreciation opportunity. And then the market shifts and he loses a lot of that equity. So we want to encourage people take on uh, smart debt if you can find a deal. You know, consider getting out of risky debt if you feel like you've maximized the value of that deal right now. But do not take on dumb debt because that's what people did in 08 and they really got hurt. Yeah. Well, Brett, what if somebody's sitting out there and thinking, well, I don't quite have an 18 unit apartment complex or a large commercial building. Maybe I have a duplex. Is this an applicable tool for maybe that smaller style of property? Yeah. So it's always applicable as long as the depreciation recapture and the capital gains tax deferral is large enough. So you know, we charge fees and those fees, you need to have a return on your investment for those sure. fees. So mm -hmm. Our minimum deal size for proceeds is $500,000. Okay? okay. For every $100,000 of liability deferred, not to be confused with just a $100,000 gain, because if you have a $100,000 gain, let's say in California, 
it's a $37,000 approximately tax bill that's total for state, federal, and Obamacare. So that's not the gain, it's the actual liability. So if let's say it's a two hundred or $300,000 gain, you know, then yes, that works. So if the duplex was worth a lot, sure. Now, what if you had multiple single family homes or multiple duplexes that added up to those? Then yes, you know, collectively, we're working with a gentleman right now, it's a live deal. He actually bought, started buying houses 20 years ago. Individual small houses, 100 to 200,000, sometimes 50,000 when the market was low. And he just rented those out. But he has, he has a whole portfolio that add up to about 20 million. But his challenge is, how do I sell and do a 1031 with, uh, you know, 65 homes, 70 homes, right? Yeah, that's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, 120 homes or something, right? But the point is, you have to get it, you have to probably have to pull it together, probably sell it at a discount to an investor, right? Which is a 25% discount versus selling it to a primary homeowner who can pay that extra 20% premium. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is, how do I sell them all together and still do a 1031? And the intent is to defer the tax. The solution is a deferred sales trust and that it's very flexible. You can form one trust and you could have multiple properties go into it at any time over the next five years. And as you collect all of those funds together slowly, then at that point, up to 80% of the funds can be sent kind of like a self-directed IRA in a sense to a brand new LLC to go purchase a property all tax deferred. Okay. okay. So you just did that at optimal timing. Plus you got a brand new depreciation schedule. The other thing that your listeners might want to consider is if you've owned a property for long enough, eventually you fully depreciate. And depreciation is one of the number one reasons to own real estate, right? Because it offsets the income that's coming in. Right. Now, on an apartment complex, 27 and a half years is the depreciation schedule. So that fully depletes. Well, if you do a 1031 exchange after that, or if you've done accelerated depreciation, that schedule travels, which means you don't have as much depreciation on that next deal to offset unless you buy a bigger, bigger deal, right? That being said, the deferred sales trust is the solution in that if you buy that same deal through the deferred sales trust, you get a brand new depreciation schedule because we're not doing a 1031 exchange. And so at that point, let's say it was a $5 million deal of which you would have only had, let's say, $3 million in depreciation. Well, with the deferred sales trust, you get the full $5 million because it's new money going into a new deal. So that's also a very powerful way to create and preserve more wealth. So with the deferred sales of trust, you do not have to recapture depreciation then? Yeah, as long as the mortgage is not above the basis, you're good. You're going to defer that just like a 1031 exchange is going to defer that. And we have a solution for that too. So there's some nuances where every scenario is a little bit different. But yes, we can defer the capital gains tax, the depreciation recapture, and keep it all deferred, accelerate depreciation on a new deal, sell it back into the trust, have a bigger pile of money of which you go buy maybe a bigger deal now and do a whole nother new depreciation schedule versus just always doing a 1031 and it's always traveling and you're always chasing that new depreciation. So we like to call it a maximize your cost segregation and depreciation write-off by using the deferred sales trust. When you combine the two, it's really powerful because again, ours gives a new depreciation schedule, whereas the 1031, it travels, which means you don't have as much on the next one. Well, Brett, to some, it might seem pretty obvious as to why you would defer taxes and others might wonder why not pay the taxes now so that you don't defer them for the future. Could you talk to that point? Yeah, good question. So we like to go back to Albert Einstein. He did the law of compound interest and it's the rule <laughs> of 72. And basically it states that if, if I can earn 7% on any given amount over a 10-year period, this is one way to do the calculation, sure. that amount will double. So let's imagine, Jacob, you're selling a $3 million deal of which you had a million in tax today. And you would net 2 million on if you just pay the tax or 3 million in the trust. Well, we would say, well, Jacob, 
how about you put all three million in the trust and let's try to earn collectively together through all these different investments, 7% on that full 3 million. And if you allow that 7% just to compound, meaning you're not taking any income, that 3 million turns into 6 million within 10 years, Mm -hmm. right? At which point you can just pay the tax and, or you can just renew it for 10 years. And this is a good time to kind of talk about the structure of the note. Typically they're 10 year notes of which you can renew every 10 years, every 10 years, and you can pass it on to your kids. Most of our notes earn 8% on any given 10 year period based upon the investments that it's put in, nets the client 6.5%. So we would come to you, Jacob, and say, hey, you can have 2 million and you can go earn your, your seven, you know, but why not have 3 million and earn your seven? Minus some fees, of course, from us. And then that's when it's just a mathematical equation. And you say, okay, so you're telling me I never have to pay the tax as long as I don't dip into the principal? And the answer is yes. And the idea is just to continually to defer, live off the interest. Now, when you live off the interest, that's going to be ordinary income tax. And by the way, why would the government do this? The government does this because you're investing in investment real estate, you're investing in the stock market, which actually is the study of macroeconomics, which states that if I can spur economic growth in the long run, there's going to be more tax revenue and more tax dollars, and it's going to spur economic growth. It's like money is like water, and as soon as you shut it off, it stops flowing and it stagnates. But if you can keep it all flowing and moving in investments, and this is the key here, it can't be put into a primary home. It basically needs to put into investments or a business. You can also start a business venture. But the point is, it's going to spur the economy. It's going to spur economic growth, more jobs, more tax revenue, which is a good thing rather than you not doing the deal because of the tax. So you defer the proceeds from your sale into this deferred sales trust. And then you talked about putting those in notes. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So the actual deal, let's walk through how this thing works. This will answer your question. So Jake, you and I are going to do a deal. Okay. So imagine I'm coming to you. And I said, Jacob, I want to buy your $10 million apartment complex. And you say, hey, great, bro. That sounds good. Imagine you own it free and clear. Let's imagine you own 40% in tax if you don't do some kind of tax deferral strategy. And I say, Jacob, would you carry paper? Would you become the lender? In other words, would you take a note on the property in exchange for, I'll give you a $3 million down payment. Would you carry a note for $7 million? So in that scenario, how much actual receipt did you receive? Zero. Well, you received 3 million, right? I'll give you 3 million. Okay, yes. And you carry back 7 million. So on that 7 million, you don't owe anything because you carried back, but on that 3 million you received, so you'll owe tax on that, okay? So you just carried, no, you just did a seller carry back. Very common, people know it. This is actually the foundation of our law. It's IRC 453, which goes back to the 1920s. And that is the note that you carried back. That's why that's 7 million is in a tax deferral state. You follow? Yes, so far. Okay. So imagine I give you a zero down payment now. I said, Jacob, you want to defer all the tax, right? And you say, yeah. And you don't want to do a 1031. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you a zero down payment. Would you carry a note for 10? Now, hypothetically, let's just say you did the deal. I give you zero. How much actual receipt did you receive today? Now zero. Now zero, right? So how much is triggered today? Zero. Zero. You got it. But now you're in a deferral state for that 10, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the key here. Now was introduced the trust on how this works. So you have the buyer ready to buy. You have the seller ready to sell. You're the seller and he's about to give you all that 10 million. And you say, no, 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 no. I don't want that 10 million. I need to do a deferral thing. So I might have escrow send it to a QI company so that you don't take that actual receipt and then go perfect 1031 exchange. Or you might do a deferred sales trust, which is what we would say, here's an option. The trust jumps in right in between, right before escrow closes. So the seller's ready to give you the 10 million, jumps in right in between. And it actually buys your position for 10 million, but it gives you a zero down payment. And then immediately it turns around 
and it sells the property to that $10 million buyer who's already lined up. Okay. So yeah. the $10 million goes into the trust. Now, Jacob, if the trust bought for $10 million and sold for $10 million, how much gain does the trust have? Zero. You got it. So if it has zero gain, it has zero capital gains tax. Now, remember for your first part, if you sold for $10 million, but you took a note, you carried back 100% financing, how much is triggered today? Zero. Exactly. So as long as you live off the principal and you just take payments, and by the way, the funds are now held at some of the largest banks in the world, Bank of New York Mellon, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, invested in investment grade securities based upon your risk tolerance, and it's earning interest. Usually, again, it earns about eight in any given 10-year period. You can't guarantee that, but just kind of depends on what happens in the market. And it returns you an extra six and a half. So now you're getting, after fees on a cash flow basis, an extra six and a half on that $4 million that you would have paid in tax, right? right? Of which you can let it just compound, which we're almost to that seven, which that $10 million would turn into 20 in, in 10 years. Now, most of our clients will just live off the interest-only payments and they'll just pay ordinary income tax on that, but they'll keep that principal in place all in a deferral state. So you follow. Any questions there? Because this is the most important part of this conversation right here. I think I followed up to this point, yes. Okay. Okay. So the smoke clears. Now you find a deal tomorrow. <laughs> this is the best part or day 181 or five years from now, or let's just even say you want to diversify. You go, look, I've owned investment real estate in my hometown for the last 10, 5, 20 years, and it's been all one single product type. But maybe I want to go invest with Jacob on this next apartment complex deal with a million of that. Maybe I want to do a little bit with you know, a mobile home park syndicator like a Kevin Bupp. Maybe I want to do a million with a someone. I want to diversify. In other words, I want to put up to, and by the way, up to 8 million of that could be in, let's say, eight different deals. Now you're diversifying not only within commercial real estate, different product types, but different geographical locations, different operators. And it's all of their debt. It's in their name. It's non-recourse for you. And you're a passive investor, still getting all of the benefits of the depreciation offset, all of the benefits of owning commercial real estate, but you're not having to do it yourself. But even for people who want to do it themselves, they can still go do it themselves too. But maybe they say, oh, I'll do a $2 million deal. The other four will go over here. It's super flexible. The one key is that 20% of it must be stay in investment grade securities, okay? A liquid diversified. The next thing is the funds never, ever move without your signature, okay? So you as the lender have all the rights and protections like a Chase Bankwood or a Wells Fargo if you were to make a loan for somebody. So my role actually is the trustee. And we just provide the trustee services and the education. We're kind of like the offensive coordinator connecting everyone together to make sure this thing works. Okay. So yeah, question. Sorry, I don't want to keep going unless if you have any questions. Oh, that's there. good. We're clear. Yeah. yeah. And so we just play the role of the offensive coordinator and say, hey, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? Let's make that happen. But the key is the quarterback is the note holder, the client, right? They're basically have to sign before anything moves. They can also hire their own financial advisors to manage the funds or use one of our thousands of strategic alliance partners across the US who are in their own individual space. And that's it. And then if any point they want to cash out and pay the tax, they can do that. And the legality, I guess, would be the next question. How do we know this thing is legal, right? How can I trust this? So our track record is 23 years and thousands and thousands of closes of these and 14 no-change IRS audits. So if anyone ever comes to you with a new tax strategy, you want to ask a number of questions. One, how long have you been doing it? The answer is 23 years. The next is how many have closed? Thousands. The next most important one, or the next two would be, what's the IRS tax code? It's IRC 453, which is just the seller carryback, which you probably already know or definitely your CPA knows. Mm -hmm. The next one is, well, how many IRS audits? And the answer is 14. And what were the outcome of those? All of them were successful, not one single issue. 
The largest deal was for a $100 million deal in Southern California, a commercial real estate deal that was audited, not one single issue. So we've done veterinarians, we've done dentists, we've done self-storage, multifamily, we've done high-end single-family homes, you name it, we've done it. Businesses, uh, commercial real estate, artwork, collectibles. And so, yeah, that's it. We just want to educate everybody. We also don't get paid, Jacob, unless and if the client decides to do the deal. So we will educate, get everyone ready to go. If the deal doesn't work out, no problem. If it does, great. And that's it. That's the sum of all that. That's great, Brett. So yeah, it's a lot to take in there. It's a really new strategy to me. Many people might be asking themselves like, why haven't I heard of this? Obviously, I've heard of 1031s. Where has this thing been and why is it not out there and you know, kind of the public knowledge? Great question. So in 2009, I'm sitting in Marcus and Melichap in Sacramento. I'm selling apartment complexes and the market is completely tanked. And my manager at the time was looking for new strategies to help us win more deals and solve more problems for our clients. Enter in my business partner now to speak on the Deferred Sales Trust. And we're sitting there asking the same questions going, whoa, why haven't we heard of this? Why hasn't my CPA told me about it? This sounds too good to be true. It seems like I would have known about it. The answer honestly is you haven't met us yet, right? And I hadn't met him yet. And so over the next really the three, four, five years, I started to study the structure understand it, get the training, and eventually uh, became you know, an expert at what we do here and launched the company. So what we found is once they actually connect with us, they get educated, they join us. The other reason is it's not, it's a very specialized and somewhat complex structure. Okay? Yeah, sure. And the analogy I use is most folks, they go to their CPA or general real estate attorney, and they are, it's kind of like a doctor. They're a general practitioner, meaning they help them with their blood work. They help them with their general health. But if they have a brain tumor or an ACL surgery they need, they're going to go to a specialist, okay? Mm-hmm. And by the way, that general practitioner may not understand every nook and cranny of, of the brain surgery or of the ACL surgery, but they can ask the right questions like, are you a practitioner, right? This is a CPA tax who created this. How many patients have died on your operating table? Zero. How many have gone to j- jail? Zero. Okay. And they can kind of come along and do that, but they're not going to, if they haven't done the surgeries or been involved, they're just not a specialist in the area. And so that's where we say, look at the evidence, bring in your primary trusted advisor. And again, most of the time they join us and they go, wow, this thing really works. We also have big national law firms outside of us who have reviewed this and they give them their endorsements. We have those available. We have title companies, QI companies. We have you know, tax attorneys, CPAs. We've done deals with Marcus and Milichap, Cushman Wakefield. So we have the track record. At the end of the day, you say, we know how to do it. Here's our evidence. Talk to all of our people. If you want to do it, great. If not, that's okay too. But we stand behind our work. The other thing is the tax attorneys indemnify the client. So what happens if there was an audit? They provide indemnification and they also provide audit defense for the life of the trust that's built into the uh, one-time fee for the tax attorney. So we stand behind our work if that makes sense. Now, Brett, is there a real estate investor who this strategy isn't necessarily best for? Yeah. So if you can find deals that are value add forced depreciation and do a 1031, 1031 is definitely cheaper. It's you know, 500 to 1000 bucks to do a 1031 exchange and you can keep doing that. And that's great. But if you feel like you're overpaying, in other words, ask yourself, would I buy this deal today if it wasn't for my 1031 and tax liability that I'm facing right now? And if the answer is no, then consider the deferred sales trust. But if you can really find all the deals and it makes sense to you, keep going at 1031. By the way, I still represent people on multifamily investments here in Northern California, and we do still do 1031s. I'm not against the 1031. 
I just think there's a time and place for every tool and strategy and clarifying your goals and your needs is the most important thing and then figure out 1031 or by the way, you might want to do half and half. Maybe you diversify a little bit. Maybe you have a $3 million deal and you do one and a half to a 1031, one and a half to a deferred sales trust, right? Okay. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. So it's super flexible in that, in that sense. The other one would be, I mean, if you have like a serious health concern, okay. So if you feel like, you know, something's intimate where you might be passing away and you could get a stepped up basis, then you would say, okay, we, we say no, just hold on to what you have because your kids are going to get a stepped up basis at which point they could sell and walk away tax free. Now, that being said, that's still around right now. Who's to say that's going to be around in five, 10, 15 years? So we don't recommend that for the long-term strategy. And most people don't want to die to take advantage of their harvest of their deal. They want to enjoy <laughs> their wealth now. This yeah. is another stat for your listeners. According to the American Bankers Association, there's about $17 trillion that will pass from one generation to the next in the next 20 years. And this is known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet. In fact, there's 77 million baby boomers in the US alone. And every day, about 10,000 of those baby boomers turn 65. And here's the thing. They've made their wealth for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they don't need any more wealth. Like, I mean, they, a lot of them don't. They just need to preserve that wealth. And they want retiring from the toilets, trash, and liability. So we're going to solve that. So the key is, what are you trying to solve? Maybe a 1031 is the best thing for you. But oftentimes right now, we think it's not because the prices are so high. If you have some kind of health concern, okay, wait and get the stepped up basis. But also realize you're forfeiting that new depreciation schedule. So that's really powerful right? Versus just waiting for the stepped up basis. And you could also, you know, you might wait five or 10 years to sell, you might die in five or 10 years or whatever, but the value of that property could also drop and be in a recession. So foregoing a lucrative sale today, knowing that you can capture and harvest that gain, pay off the tax, get liquidity, get diversification, and then buy back when you want, you've got to do that ROI too. So it depends. So I don't really have a clear answer because every scenario is a little bit different. The last one I'll talk about, though, is the estate tax, okay? So for any yes. of your listeners who are ultra high net worth individuals who are worth more than 11 million single or 22 million and married, they're faced with what's called the death tax, okay? So let's imagine, Jacob, someday you're worth 52 million bucks or maybe you're worth that today, okay? And you're married. Let's imagine that all 52 million is in your taxable estate. Well, if you and your wife passed away tomorrow, 30 of that would be subject to the 40% death tax. It's brutal. So 12 million would be wiped out. So the intent is to move it outside the taxable estate before you pass away. The challenge is most estate tax planning structures are either slow or limited in the amount they can do at any particular time. Mm -hmm. The solution is the deferred sales trust in that in one single transaction, imagine you had a $30 million apartment complex, we can move all of the funds outside the taxable estate, which would save your heirs, your estate, $12 million, which you could give more to charity, you can give more to your family, more to causes that you believe in, rather than giving it to the government and it's gone forever. So we know of no other strategy that can do both the tax deferral, can do the estate planning, and provide all of the other benefits we talked about. And that's what makes us so unique. That's great, Brad. That's a lot to take in here. I've got my like wheels turning, all kinds of questions I think I want to ask. But you know, really what I what I'm getting out of this DST deferred sales trust is it gives you the ability to exit the market when you want and then re-enter when the time is right, right? Rather than being compressed with that 1031 schedule. So I think that's a huge, huge factor right there, just right off the bat. That's number one, right? That is why we started the company. So none of my clients or strategic partners we work with, 
ever have to feel trapped or have their clients feel trapped by the 1031 ever again. And then again, remember for the business owner, they don't have a 1031 option. I've yet to meet anyone who's ever done a 1031 or the high-end primary homeowner. We just did a deal in Cupertino for a high-end primary homeowner for a $3 million sale for her home. She bought it 20 years ago for 500,000 and we saved her about $400,000 in tax above and beyond her exclusion. And that gives her retirement income, right? So it's not just the money part. It actually solves the internal motivations for our clients. They want liquidity, diversification. They need retirement income. They have rising healthcare costs. And they feel trapped in these homes. But they go, if I, I can't move to my grandkids, I can't move anywhere because if I do, I'm going to get hammered in tax. And so we come in and we provide the solution. They're like, oh, I can move now. I can get passive income. Oh, I can put that into investment real estate and get depreciation right off. So there's so many layers to the onion we just encourage you to get educated, understand the structure, connect with us. And we have free online webinars, obviously re-listen to this podcast and get the tool for yourself and for your clients so that again, you never have to feel trapped again by capital gains tax. Yeah, sure. Brett. Well, tell us about some of those resources where the listener can go and learn more about this strategy. Yeah. So the best place is capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. Just search that in Google. And you can also go to LinkedIn, Bigger Pockets, and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel where I make, uh, I call it the Deferred Sales Trust Made Simple series, where I'm giving three to five minute videos on the differences between the Deferred Sales Trust 1031, the net income tax advantage, the estate tax a solution, all of how it works. You can also email me directly at info at capitalgainstaxsolutions.com and we can schedule a one-on-one consultation to kind of go over if you have a live deal. Next, we have a Deferred Sales Trust Calculator. You answer 12 questions. That'll give a side-by-side comparison of do the deal versus not do the deal. So, yep, those are the main places there. Great. So that's capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. If they want to reach out to you and your team, that's info at capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. And then one more time, where could they find that Deferred Sales Trust Calculator at? That is on the website. So when they go there on the top right corner, it says request a quote and that will, you click there and answer 12 questions and that'll be automate and we'll send it to you. Great. So that's kind of like a cost benefit analysis, whether it makes sense to go ahead and do this with your particular deal and all your particulars of your scenario. Exactly. Exactly. That's great, Brett. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show, talking about this. It's a new concept to me. So I hope I you know, was able to pull out the right questions from you and provide you know, content to the audience. I know you did a great job explaining it to someone who knows nothing what they're talking about like I do, but really appreciate your time. I think you did great, Jacob. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks you so much, Brett. Take care. Bye. All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Brett Swartz. Hey, I hope you're getting so much actionable content from this interview and others with all of our great guests. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed in today's show, you can find all of those resources in the show notes. As always, for more information, resources, and to connect with me, you can do so at www.jacobayers.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.